Welcome to The Shift, the podcast that empowers you to make a change in your life and chase your dreams with passion and purpose. If you are tired of feeling stuck in a life that doesn't fulfill you, if you have big dreams and ambitions but struggle to turn them into reality, if you want to break free from self-doubt and limited beliefs, Join us every week to listen to inspiring stories from regular people just like you, actionable insights, and the motivation you need to make the shift towards your own dreams. And please don't forget to share, subscribe, and leave us a review to help spread the message and inspire others. Hey Shifters, welcome back to another episode of our show, The Shift. And today I'm going to be talking to a good friend of mine, Amin Mott. We met in a private real estate group, connected recently, I would say. I found him very methodical and strategic when I talked to him. So I think this conversation is going to be very awesome to hear because of the way he thinks and the way he represents himself. So. Amin is a real estate investor. He was born and raised in Birmingham, Alabama, and he's only 30 years old. But before becoming a real estate investor, he also had a W-2 job and he was able to quit that. So I'm excited to dive in into his story about how he transformed his life and what challenges he faced while he was doing that. Welcome to the show, friends. Hey, Eugene, how are you? Thank you for having me. Awesome, man. Well, I am super excited to have you here. I can't wait to dive into your story, man. So why don't we start with uh, telling our listeners and viewers who you are, like where you came from, and how did you actually got to the point where you're at right now? I am the child of immigrants, and I'm sure you know how that is. Uh, maybe you don't, I don't know, but I know a lot of people, uh, come here to the country and they feel like, uh, they have things to prove. And we definitely got that from my parents. Uh, they were living in Riyadh back during the Gulf war and, uh, they sold everything they had at the time in the, uh, early nineties, late eighties. I'm not sure exactly what year came over here at first, but left their family, friends, everything. They came to America. I'm not sure why they came to Birmingham, Alabama, everywhere in the country, but they came to Birmingham and dad owned a pretty good size company in uh, Saudi Arabia. And he ended up having to start from scratch and uh, didn't speak the language and he, mm-hmm. Uh, I had to teach myself English. He was actually a, a cab driver. He went from owning his own uh, contracting company, uh, doing really well uh, for the government over there. And then he came over here, ended up having to drive a cab. And he taught himself mm-hmm. speak English while driving a cab and everything like that while waiting for his next fare. And my mom, stay-at-home mom, really hard job, raising four kids at home uh, while my dad was out. Uh, trying to make mm-hmm. a living for his family. And uh, at a young age, we barely ever saw my dad from the time he was always working to provide as far as a 
cab driver or even uh, when he got his business working and running and became a plumber here in the in Alabama. And so one thing we got from that was always you have to work hard to get what you want. And if you put in the effort and you put in what you want, you get out of it what you put into it. Uh, but at the same time, me and my brother had been talking. We're both in our 30s now. And we're talking about what kind of life we wanted and what kind of life we would have wanted my dad to have with his family. And he didn't really get to experience a lot of you know, family time and things like that. Being able to work and being able to be with family and do things on your terms and get up and go to the Virgin Islands that like me and my wife are doing tomorrow. Nice. But we got an invite to go and we just dropped everything and we're going to the Virgin Islands tomorrow for, for a week. And nice. You, know, you wouldn't be able, you wouldn't be able to do that if you worked at W2. <laughs> and, but yeah, I was born here in Birmingham. We grew up in a really rough area and are in a really, really good position now from all the hard work we put in. I'm blessed, but I'm a firm believer that if you speak things into existence, that you're going to get it. Nice. That's exactly what we've done. I've said out loud multiple times. I've never told anybody this before, but in my car driving around, I'll tell Tell myself you're going to be the richest man in Alabama. <laughs> and uh, we're, we're working towards it. And uh, I hope we get there one day. I know we're going to get there one day. And yeah, that's basically it. Like, nice. Start from the bottom. And I don't know where we're going, but I think we're doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah, can't wait to dive into that, man. I like what you said about like you know speaking things into the existence. I think it's very powerful. Yeah. Let's go back a little bit. Tell us. Uh, you mentioned you had a W two, right? What did you do on W when you had W two? Well, I got a job with a industrial tool manufacturer right out of college, and they shipped me out to California. And it was a tool company. We sold uh, electrical tools to uh, professional electricians. And that wasn't technically my job. My job was to sell professional electrical tools to plumbers because that was my background and they're trying to grow their, I guess, foothold in the mechanical and plumbing uh, world. And mm -hmm. I did fairly well doing that. I had no idea how I did that. But <laughs> a few years into doing that, we got acquired and they pretty much fired my whole company company my whole team at the time mm -hmm. uh, and they moved me back to Birmingham and they gave me a position actually selling electrical tools to electricians and then I did pretty well doing that um, nice that time period I had one manager and then that manager got let go and then they didn't give me the bonus that they told me that I wanted because my new manager was my manager at the time of mm -hmm. my growth and that kind of made me a little mad and then I got another manager and I moved back here to Alabama 
and I raised my total sales from like 120 to 300,000 a month within that like oh, wow. year. And then they ended up firing that manager. He's a really good friend of mine. I don't know if he's going to listen to this, but we'll give him a, a demotion. And then the same thing happened after I got pretty much top sales in the whole company. They told me they couldn't give me what I wanted again. And at that time, I'm like, okay, this is like a reoccurring theme. My, I don't have control of my own life. I don't have control of anything. So I might need to find another outlet to make real money. And really, the whole time I was working for them, I wasn't planning on staying with the company. I remember a few weeks before I took the position with the company, a good, my best friend's dad asked me how I felt about it. And I told him, I'm taking the position to learn about how big business makes money. And then I want to leave and then do my own thing. And nice. that's pretty much what I did. So during COVID, we actually started flipping homes me and my brother one day February of like 2019 I think we started looking at auction.com for our home to flip and we're like oh, we lose money we lose money it'll be as if we took a course yeah hold on hold on so why did you why did you concentrate exactly on the houses and auction.com well my brother was a realtor and when I moved back to Birmingham, I found out that my dad and my brother had bought a home and they were going to flip it. Right. Okay. And I was like, okay, that's pretty interesting. And that's right after I bought a house in California and mm. I convinced the owner of the property that I was renting it from to sell it to me. Right. And I bought it for one price. And then when they sold it, I guess when they come to get bought it, I had to move back to Birmingham. And I still need a substantial more amount. Nice. Okay, cool. <laughs> That's awesome. So you having a sales background, you convinced the owner of the property that you were renting from to sell you the house, right? Yeah. Because we were looking for property in California and you live in California, you know how competitive it is out there. And, uh, yes, sir. For, for a home to, to buy out in California. And mm. we probably put in maybe 50 offers in and we got beat out on every one of them, about like 50 grand, 70 grand above ask. And we would get beat out every time. I was like, well, mm. I have to find a property off market. And I was sitting there one day. I'm like, well, I'm here in a home. I know that he has kind of, when I first met him, he told me that he wanted to get rid of it, but he wasn't sure about right. taxes and things like that. And, yeah. uh, I called him up one day and I was like, Hey, and it, it helped that he was a, uh, from Lebanese heritage. So I kind of, I kept, we had okay. that little brotherhood, but I used that. I called him up. I was like, look, this is what I'm doing. You mentioned you wanted to get rid of it, but you're worried. I was like, there are things around that we can do. And we ended up getting it. I thought it was for a crazy amount at the time I bought it. And it was like an 1800 square foot home in Elk Grove, California. And I think we bought it for 395,000. 
And like, what year was that? What year? 2018. Okay. In, in 2018. Yeah. Nice. And that was like in February, 2018. And then literally a month later, our company got bought out and then they told me uh -huh. I had to move. And then in July, I sold it for like 450,000 mm -hmm. and yeah. Awesome. Six months. Yeah. Six months. I mean, we didn't make much on it after everything, but I mean, the numbers were there, but mm -hmm. yeah. So I had gone through that and then I heard my brother was flipping one with my dad and I was like, well, I can do that. I can do that. And I was really busy with all getting the territory here running and everything. And then I just got really irked by the company and I got to make money. And we flipped the first one we bought for like 190, we put 30 into it. We raised all that with investment. We didn't send any of our own money to do it and maybe 10 grand. Yeah. I think we put 10 grand of our own money into it. And then we turned that around and we sold it VA loan for 300,000. We walked away with a pretty good chunk of uh, change. There's a lot of fighting between me and my brother. First time the argue, arguing back and forth and uh, we, we learned a lot from it. And we went on and we did like another five to six homes together. And then we're like, okay, we're going to go and do our own thing. And, uh, nice. We can't work All right. <laughs> wow that's pretty cool but so for people who doesn't know what fix and flip is let's explain right so fix and flip it's something so you buy for the price for the specific price right mm -hmm. below the market price usually that this is what you want to do you put some money into the rehab you fix it up and you sell it for profit right but go on so you flipped your first house with your brother. You mentioned that you only put $10,000 of your own money, but then another portion you raised, right? From other yeah. people. So when you buy through auction.com, you have to buy cash at auction. So mm. we talked to friends and family and we raised the money to okay. get the whole bot. And it was really funny because you have to show proof of funds and everything like that. And we kind of had to go in and we typed up a fake letter and everything. Thing. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Showing that we had the police and everything. Like we got a letter from the bank, but then we, I'm not going to say which bank, but we got a letter from the bank saying that we had that much money. And then we just went in and we edited the number a, a little bit. And <laughs> uh, we provided it and, yeah, and then we raised the money and we bought it. But nice. that's awesome. That's really yeah. cool. How was the process of uh, raising money? Like, I think you were doing this for the first time, right? Like, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm have you, have you? I'm a salesman. That's my background. I mean, even before I took the job with the tool company, I was buying cars and selling them to pay myself for okay. college, right? So I did that. I paid my way through college and graduated with zero debt, just like flipping cars uh, through college. And that's so awesome. I was that's awesome. Yeah. And but we 
I had a few people I knew I could go to, give them a pitch and everything, and we're giving them the 10% return on whatever they put in. Like if they put in 50 grand, they'd get back 55 at the end of it. And a lot of people were willing to do that back, especially back in 2018. So that's pretty cool. Nice. Well, I can tell you that. I don't know lots of people who actually paid for their own college through flipping cars. That's pretty dope. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. I mean, we, I started out uh, with a $300 uh, Honda Civic uh-huh. and bought that one not running. I thought the motor was locked up and ended up being the starter. Went and got a mm-hmm. starter from okay. was done for 50 bucks and then turned around and sold it for $1,500. That's amazing, man. Uh, well, do you actually do you understand cars? Like, are you like a mechanic? I know my way around a car. I know what affect what. I mean, I put in multiple transmissions and multiple motors and things like that. I huh. had a real had a real passion for it back then, but when you do mm. things that make money. They turn out to be more of a, I don't know. I hate doing it now. You hate doing this now. I hate working on cars now. But <laughs> that's how much we did it. <laughs> okay. Is it because you found a new passion or is it because no, of the set? I love cars, but I hate working on them now. Because we okay. look for something I love to do. That's something I was doing to make money. And. I just got tired of doing it. I don't work on my old cars anymore, thank God. So it seems like it felt more like work rather than just enjoyment, right? Yeah. Yeah. Got it. All right. That makes sense. Well, so so you made this, so you're working for W2 as a salesman. You're a great salesman, like a top salesman, year one, year two. And you get frustrated because they promised you something and they did not deliver. And this is, it seems like this is when, this is the time when you, when you shifted from, your mindset shifted, okay, so I need to do something else. And so I'm curious, like, what was going on through your mind at that time when you're frustrated with your best well, employer? A lot of it had to do with the fact that when they moved me from California back to Birmingham, my wife was pregnant at that time, mm. right? And it was kind of like I was in the corner. It was they were like, okay, you can either be fired or move back to Birmingham. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, she, my wife is pregnant. What am I going to do? It was unexpected. Move back to Birmingham, be my family, and go from there. I know the area in Birmingham. I know people in Birmingham. I can do really well in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. And like I told you, a lot of things happened within the company that I wasn't really a fan of. And my manager, he wasn't really politically correct all the time. And mm-hmm. there's a, a lot of different things. I mean, in Arabs call it like a cocktail. They just like call it a cocktail. Um, mm. 
there's a bunch of things that a cocktail isn't going to drink. And after we sold that first home and I got a check for pretty much half the amount I worked my butt off for with a year, I was like, mm-hmm. I know, why the hell am I doing it? Why am I traveling 10 days out of the month overnight? Why am I doing that? Yeah. I yeah. got a kid. I've got a kid on the way, and then on top of that, they told me he wanted me to be traveling for half of the month, every month. Oh, wow. And I was like, I went to bed one day. I was like, if, if I'm traveling for half the month every month, if I just do rough math, by the time my daughter is 18, I would have missed nine years out of her life. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be what I didn't like about my dad being gone and being working all the time yeah so we we took the home and i was like okay well this is a really big chunk of money at the time it was like 20 grand at the time 23 grand the total amount was we split it three ways it was like almost 90 grand mm-hmm. i was like okay well if i can figure out how to do it with my own i'm not gonna have to do anything i'm not gonna have to work i'm gonna be rich right and, right yeah, so that's what okay. made made the transition. That's what made me quit my job. I took all my vacation days, all my sick days, all my holidays, right after each other. We I've, we went to San Diego for a period of time, came back, mm-hmm. didn't work, and then I called up my manager like I'm quitting. He couldn't believe it. He thought I was like joking, and he. Well, yeah, I'm quitting. I'm not, I'm not doing it anymore. And mm-hmm. I quit. I had nothing lined up. And which is bit the bullet and went with it. That takes courage, man. Yeah. That takes courage with a kid on the way, right? And like, there is no safety net that you can rely on, right? And you say, like, that's it. I'm done. And yeah. I think at that point, you're kind of, when you're feeling at the bottom, I guess your motivation goes like twice or three times as high to make something happen, right? Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, like you got people working for huge corporations, these huge corporations, and they are literally killing themselves to make a paycheck, right? Mm-hmm. If you were to take that energy, that drive, and apply it to your own life, what can you do for you? Exactly. I told my wife, my wife was deathly afraid of me quitting, you know, because we had a kid and she's like, what is going to happen? We have all these like things that we got to pay for. If I can't, if I can't bet on me, then who am I going to bet on? I've never, I've already bet on that company and they keep on telling me they don't care in their own way. So, uh, I'm I'm leaving and I'm going to take care of everything. I'm going to do whatever. If I'm working for them at that level, I mean, I can do it for me and you and our family, and we'll be okay. So, so that's amazing, man. And it's something that I think I'm going through right now myself. My company that I used to work for, already used to work for, we did not find a path forward. And I think as of last week, I sort of 
got laid off, got laid off mm-hmm. and also have nothing lined up, but I started working on some verticals in real estate verticals and I'm just putting my whole energy into these verticals that I already started working on Yeah, while I was working for that company. So yeah, I mean, also have nothing sort of behind me, right? And it's just, it's scary, right? It's like a, it's scary that when you have nothing and you're trying to build something, it, sometimes you wonder if you're making the right choice, if it's going to go anywhere, you just have to keep pushing forward. I mean, yeah, it's definitely scary if you don't know what you know, right? But a lot more than the guy living next door to you, a lot more than the guys that you're working with. I mean, you, we've been in that club or the group or whatever you want to call it together for a while. I mean, you've been popping up and my 19 year old uh, brother-in-law was in town the other day and he was over here talking to me. Yeah, I don't know what I want to do. It's like, do whatever you want to do. But at the end of the day, free time is the best measurement of wealth that you can have. Right. So I was like, that guy, we're at a restaurant. I was like, that guy over there making your sandwich right now, if he knew that he could go find a deal, put no money into it, and put a little bit of a percentage on finding it, no matter how big of the deal, he doesn't have to spend any money other than a little bit of energy and he'll, he'll, make, a pay, he'll make a paycheck. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like when, when when we're underwriting all these big deals now, I know we've kind of jumped forward a little bit, but when we're underwriting all these big deals, like like the whatever deal we bring, we get a portion of it and we get the equity of it, right? We get a portion of finding the deal and then we get the equity, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of that comes with what? Zero money. Dad. We don't have to use any of our money. We bring value in other ways, right? And... That guy making that sandwich, if he would make one deal like that, he'd never make a damn sandwich again in his life. <laughs> yep. If he discovers the power of making that amount of money, he probably wouldn't come back. Yeah. Yeah, sure. absolutely. I agree, man. Well, that's awesome. So let's let's go a little bit forward now, right? And Let's talk about what's behind your drive right now. What is your why? Why are you doing this? My why is one is I'm very competitive. Being being a middle child has made me be very, very competitive. I've always felt like I had to prove myself. Mm -hmm. And it's not like like I need to wake up and I need to make a dollar. Oh, I just, Oh, that looks interesting. It would be really cool if I did that. I'm at that. Mm -hmm. I went from in 2020 when I left left my job, I went from, Oh crap. What am I going to do? How am I going to make that money? I need to go make that money. I went back to flipping cars for a little bit. I was buying land cruisers and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, I was making ends meet, but now my drive is, I want to leave something for my family. I want to leave something for my daughter. 
something happens to me working in Birmingham, Alabama, going and looking at property in Birmingham, Alabama, you're not always going to be in the best area. You never know when anything is going to happen. Right? Yeah. I want to make sure my daughter, my wife, everybody's going to be okay. My mom, make sure she's okay. I just want free time. I want free time when I'm, I'm 30, 35, 40, and I'm retired. And I don't want any, I want all the free time. I want to go. I want to learn how to fly planes. I want to drive a Ferrari. I just want, I want free time. I, there's no real big why other than taking care of my family and having fun, enjoying life and making the most out of everything and traveling two weeks out of the month is not going to do it for me or going out and selling cars at the Toyota dealership isn't going to do that for me. Even 90% of the people that graduate from college, they want, like they hate their lives and they don't do anything. And I know a lot of people right now, they got these like really great degrees and everything and they're doing nothing with them. They're doing nothing with them. So yeah, that's why I say, Free time is the best measurement of wealth because the more free time you have, that means you don't need to be working. I think it's a great golden nugget. Yeah. I'm going to write it down. <laughs> free time is the best measurement of wealth. No, I like it. Cool, man. Well, that's amazing. I know it's like a, you look big and buff. You, know, you, you definitely work out. You definitely work out. It seems like by looking at you, it's like you don't have any limited beliefs at all. It's like everything <laughs> is possible. But I do want to ask you this question. Did you have or do you currently have any limited beliefs? Like Every day as a young kid from elementary school to middle school to high school, I mean, I always felt like I wasn't good enough. I always felt like I wasn't the one to be called on the field during the game. I played mm-hmm. football. I had my friends and everything, but I always felt left out. I always felt like other people were the problem and it wasn't me. Mm-hmm. Or maybe the other way around. Maybe I always felt like I wasn't the problem or I was the problem and people didn't think too highly of me and things like that. And then, I put a lot of pressure on myself. It would be toward like every time anything came out of my mouth, if I was having a regular conversation with anybody, I would sit back and be like, wow, that probably sounded really dumb. They're probably judging me for that. I had a lot of anxiety. I always put limitations on myself. I didn't like to push. But recently, I very recently, probably like back when I moved back here, um, I got healthy. I started my family. We had a daughter. And things just started to turn up. And that all came when I started to tell myself, F the bullshit. Don't be, I mean, I'm sorry. I don't know if I'm on the cuss on here. You can bleep it out. Like, don't be a bitch. Go go ahead, man. No, like, like, (laughs) don't be a bitch. Don't be a bitch and just do what you got to do. Push every day. And if people don't like you, they can go to hell, right? They be you. And if they don't like you, they can go to hell. And 
don't think don't think that you you're not capable of doing things right because i think it was uh robert kiyosaki the uh mm-hmm. author of rich dad poor dad i was watching a video and he was saying that poor people come from it's like a, it's like actually a kind of genetic or a belief from when they're young they mm-hmm. grow up and because they don't believe that they can actually make it and be wealthy but then like if a wealthy kid is born like they're more likely to be wealthy it's not just because they have the support of that that mm-hmm. is because they actually they're born in that environment and they know that they if they if they do what they have to do they can actually be wealthy but the poor mm-hmm. guy, he doesn't believe that he can actually make it out of those because he's living in that environment right yeah you just tell yourself this is bullshit i'm gonna do what i have to do and i'm gonna make it you're gonna make it i mean i my family i remember one day we we're looking for i think it was like five thousand dollars and my dad has saved up in the closet or whatever and some we thought it was gone and like my mom and dot dad thought their lives were just completely like imploded mm-hmm. um done over five mm-hmm. we didn't come from great beginnings or anything like that we literally moved here we moved into the house in the ghetto i mean literally we would play with rats pretty much that the, mm-hmm. the living room had a big hole in it we'll see rats running around in the crawl space throw food at them we, we would sit on the floor and eat off of newspaper right we had no table i remember getting up after dinner and just having the ink for the newspaper on my leg pretending it was a tattoo whatever mm. but yeah i mean you've got to believe and if you don't believe then you're never going to make it and like i think a lot of the people that i used to talk to or hang out with and everything we don't hang out anymore we don't talk anymore really because like i don't know if they think i'm full of shit or if they're just tired of hearing me talk or me i don't think i preached to them or anything because i love if you're in my circles because i've handpicked you to be there and i'm very very picky about who i bring in i think it's very powerful and transformational in a way because i'm noticing myself that like i'm changing right and when i'm changing people around me are changing because i want to be around people who i want to be right I want to be around people who believe, who believed in themselves, right, to be where they are right now. So that belief is very, like, transformational. Like, if you're around those people, their belief becomes your belief. You can borrow that belief, right? And you can see that everything, like, everything's possible. Those people are just humans like us, like you, like me. And if they can make it, I think anyone can make it. And, but I think those things that you were describing, I think it's like, it's very transformational. Like you going from point A to point B, changing things around. And some people may not like it. Some people will be complaining to you about like, hey, man, I think you're changed, right? And it's like, yeah, I mean, I'm changing. Like, I don't want to be the guy who I was. 
Like I want to be that guy who actually has everything that I want, right? So why can't I? And you just go for it. And I think, I think the most important part is like relatives and your friends and some other people, they can influence your decisions when you want to do something, like when you want to go after your dreams. And some people are being really passed or stumbled by it, right? Like, oh, okay. Like I trust that person, right? Because he's telling me I'm changing. So I don't know it's like a good good thing or a bad thing, right? But maybe he knows me better than I do. Okay, I think I'm going to stop. I think this this is where lots of people kind of get stuck in their life, right? Yeah. Don't push forward. I want to go back to when you were talking about friends and everything, and it hit me what you told me. What is your why? Like I remember, I remember being a little kid driving around town and just looking out the window and just seeing these people on the side of the street that had no money and were poor. And and I even at a little at a, a young age as a little kid, I'd, I'd ask myself, how many bad decisions would it have to take for me to end up? like that guy what would i have to do to be that guy right there right Mm -hmm. and i think that is one of the main things that drives me to be better every day and to keep growing what i'm doing because i've got that fear that one day if i don't keep going that i'm going to be that so when that when I say it out loud, it just sounds really like ridiculous. When I was you're talking, I was like thinking about that question, and I think that has a lot to do with it. And yeah, like my, I don't speak to my dad anymore. I got a lot. I learned a lot from him. A lot. I learned a lot of what not to do and what to do. And you can learn both. Both are learning uh, opportunities, obviously, but. One thing my dad told me when I was younger is that my daddy's his skin tone is like three times darker than me, and uh, his name is Muhammad Muhammad, and uh, his accent is like thicker than the humidity down here in Birmingham. And he told me and my brother, he's like, if a guy like me named Muhammad Muhammad can move from Saudi Arabia to Birmingham, Alabama in the early 90s and make something of myself, then nobody has an excuse not to make it. Right? Nobody. When you're talking about living in Birmingham, Alabama, being very, very dark-skinned and speaking in a way that nobody can really understand you, and now he was a multi-million dollar so, wow. Yeah. So, That's powerful. And that comes from him teaching himself how to speak English while waiting for taxi fares at the airport. Right. Mm. Everything is compounding. Right. Everything's compounding. If you put it, if you put the work in today and tomorrow, and then tomorrow after that, you're going to wake up one day and actually have, have something. So, that's amazing, man. Yeah. 
people they come from like immigrant backgrounds they have that feeling within them that of guilt i feel like because you come here and you see how hard your parents work and then when you have a little bit of free time a little like a day that you don't have to do anything you feel like you have to get up and you have to work and push yourself even though you don't yeah. you don't have to just because you got that immigrant mentality of keep on to, to push every day right yes sir yep i i agree i do feel that sometimes too yeah. my well so i i was born in ukraine and my but my kids already they were born in usa so we came in 1997 so i'm sort of my kids are like first generation right? mm -hmm. american citizens but i'm still sort of have that mentality coming from ukraine and being that seeing everything that was happening in ukraine like how my parents worked or like what you just described so i think that's sort of hard working hard working mentality right i think it was engraved in me when i was there yeah so but uh i know exactly what you're saying okay. so yeah, that's cool man i know we have people who listen to us that you know try to transform their life try to get better at something try to make something of them what would be one suggestion that you would give them in regards to in regards to anything like what would be your one suggestion that you think they should know if you're really wanting to change and do something don't wait until tomorrow start doing it today like it doesn't matter what you're trying to if you're 300 pounds and you want to lose weight don't be like okay i'm going to start tomorrow start right then mm -hmm. get up drink that water go walking right if you're trying to quit your job and do something on your own start researching what you can do for passive income right then right don't think about what you hate about your current life and think about doing it tomorrow to better it work on it today work on it now work on it when you have a free minute right don't push it because you keep pushing it you're going to look back and it's going to be months and years and then you're going to regret not doing it right like i yeah. i don't know yeah. my coach i have a coach who coaches me for bodybuilding and weight lifting and and diet mm -hmm. and i've been mm -hmm. very busy with real estate to the degree that i am not eating correctly i'm missing workouts left and right and i'm always telling myself mm -hmm. okay i'll be better tomorrow i'll be better tomorrow i'll be, I'll be better <laughs> tomorrow right and i know that is wrong because i used to be 300 pounds and he helped me get down to where i am and what i am and now i'm over here too busy and i know what i need to get back on track and tell us tomorrow 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 but so that's something don't wait to tomorrow i'm not taking my own advice here but uh, <laughs> go ahead and do it today do it today right? nice so yeah 
yeah, shifters. I think this is the uh, one of the best advices that you can get. Right, stop procrastination. And if you don't you know, start doing things, right if now. you don't know where to start, go and talk to people that are doing what you want to do. Nine times out of ten, they're not mean people. They're not stuck up, right? Mm -hmm. And if you're doing, if you're trying to change and it's not working out for you. Hire people that know more than you and pay them to teach you. Yep. You, you get out of it what you put into it. So. Totally. Totally. I absolutely agree. I think uh, what you said is uh, you know, true and very powerful in regards to stop procrastinating, right? Start thinking about what you want to do today. Yeah. And I love what you said about mentors, right? You know, get the mentor. Like, if you don't know how, if you don't know where to start, I think there are lots of people who can help. Mm -hmm. I think it's great. And most of the people that I think and I know, they're willing to give that information for free, even if you ask them. Yeah. They are. They're, I mean, it's, so. it blows my mind in the group and the circle and the industry that we're in, how many people are willing to give out knowledge and help you out for nothing, right? I mean, I've, yeah. I've got people here locally now that I'm more than happy to help, right? A lot of, I mean, there are a few people who be like, oh, why would I give, I've worked really, really hard and will suffer to learn, yada, yada, yada. Why would I give that out for free? I mean, mm -hmm. Just be a giver. I mean, if you give, we don't know what kind of connection you're going to get. You don't know what that, how you're going to benefit from it down the road. Now, there's more than enough money to go around for everybody. And at the end of the day, when you die, and everybody dies at the end of the day, the amount of money that you're going to make has already been written. You're going to make that money. You're, that is not going to change. We believe that. We believe that God has already written how much you're going to screw up, how much you're going to make, how much you're going to live. Everything's already written. Right? Don't take things so seriously. Enjoy life. Take care of your stuff. I'm not saying that to be like, okay, yeah, just wake up and lay in bed and do nothing all day. Put in, you know, put in your dues and mm -hmm. things are going to take care of themselves. That's exactly right. No, no, you gotta start. You gotta start doing something. And like you said recently, it's gonna compound, right? It's gonna compound in a better outcome mm -hmm. that you can actually imagine. You may not see the results maybe right away, right? If you're doing, if you're putting your work in like 10 days, 20 days, and you're not seeing the results, it doesn't mean that the results are not coming. I think you just have to push through this mentally, through this wall that you're imagining that, hey, I'm doing something, I'm doing something, but I cannot get it. So kind of, you're probably building a uh, like mental wall, right? Like something is happening, but I think you just have to push through it, right? Push, push, and drive, drive. When you go through a 
it'll all be worth it. It really will. It really will. I mean, and the biggest things that you can do in life are going to be the scariest things that you can do in life. Like they're going to make you sit back and wonder if you want to go through with it. Wonder if you're making the right choice, if you're making the right, if, if it is an opportunity, if you're going to royally screw up the rest of your life by making that one decision. Every investment is a risk. Every choice has repercussion. But ultimately, if you just stay there, stagnant, doing nothing, then you're never going to move. You're never going to learn. You're never going to do anything. And I mean, the way I got into multifamily is by taking a big risk at the time, which was not even, it was like a little over a year ago. And it feels like a lifetime ago. I told myself, I want to buy an apartment building. I want to buy an apartment building. I started talking about it and I got an apartment building off market. And at that time it was more money than I ever even thought about spending at the mm -hmm. time. And I kept them going back and forth. And literally like two days before closing, I was telling my wife, I was like, I think we're going to pull out. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I was afraid. Mm -hmm. I was afraid. Mm -hmm. Talking about my life and my income is based on all these other different people paying me. Like I, I can, and I didn't feel good about it. I was like, what if they don't pay me? What if I end up having the default on my loan? What if all these, what ifs yeah. and all the negatives and everything, but I ended up going back to myself and say, don't be a bitch and go do it. And we bought the building way under market value. And we actually just sold it for more money than I ever thought I would ever get in a check at one time, like two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. and, uh, Congratulations. All that happens because I told myself, don't be a bitch and go through with it. Right. We bought that building for $265,000. Now after selling it, we're looking for a, a property for 2 million. And two million. So, wow. That's awesome. As I listen to the podcast, I need to buy a building for $2 million and uh, we're running out of time. 1031 is knocking. <laughs> How much time do you have? Uh, we got about, I think about 30, 30, 32 more days to ID the property. Okay. Yeah. So All right. Take cool. seven days of that because I'll be in, in the Virgin Islands next week and I'm not going to be working. So. Are you going to Jimmy's? Yeah. Please. So great. Nice. Are you guys investing into his deal? No, he just told me to come. <laughs> All right. Cool. That's awesome. No, he, me and Jimmy, we're working on another deal here in Birmingham together. Okay. Oh yeah. The uh, okay, guys, the the warehouse. Yeah. Though, right? so I found I found a uh, thirty-six thousand square foot warehouse here in downtown Birmingham that we're going to be converting into a climate controlled uh, self storage. So that's awesome. About nice four one point four million. Nice. It sounds like you already started raising money for it. We have multiple people interested in bringing uh, all the money already. Hopefully, we can actually get that in our account. We're not all talking. But, yeah. I've got a local investor here that I think really highly of here in Birmingham that I talked to. He told me he'd be willing to bring the money for it and partner up on it.
but that's awesome man that's amazing congratulations that's huge and so my next question for you was uh, like hey what are you currently working on but we already sort of passed that and what i would like to ask you is what's next for you what is your biggest goal like where do you wanna I, where do you wanna what's next for me like yeah well what's next for you and what is your biggest goal well What's next for me kind of goes hand in hand with what I'm already working on because I'm trying to do a big deal that I've never done before. So well, I've done my own personal portfolio type multifamily and I'm, I've got a team that I'm working with now. They're great people. I'm working with Jimmy and me and my team, we're looking at a bunch of property all across the country right now. And we sent out uh, three uh, LOIs, which means a letter of intent to purchase a property on the three different properties, mm -hmm. one here in Birmingham, one in Nashville, and one in Houston. And we're waiting to hear back on that. I'm like a little kid waiting to hear back on what they tell me. <laughs> I really, 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 really want the one in Birmingham because one is my market. And I know the area really well and the mm -hmm. neighborhood that is actually mm -hmm. in, I grew up in that area and mm -hmm. I want to own a, an apartment complex on the streets of the apartment complex that we were evicted out of. So mm -hmm. I want to go full circle and that's what my next thing is. I want to own that apartment building. Things will happen for you, man. Things will happen. Yeah, and like you said before, you gotta speak this into the existence. Right? I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you right now how important it is to speak things into existence. People are like, "Oh, you always get what you want. You always get what you want." Yeah, it was when I work for them, and two, I talk about it all the time and I make it happen. Right? Yeah. So my wife is half Palestinian and she's half Mexican, and before. Two years before I met her, I told my mom I'm going to marry a half Arab, half Mexican. Yeah, I ended up marrying her. <laughs> so, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's like a, you're like a fortune teller. Kind of. I don't know who knows, but uh, who knows? Just if you want something, talk about it. Talk to people about it. Make if you want to be a a, I don't know, whatever profession you want to be in, if any kind of business that you want to be in, start telling people that that's what you do. Because then you're going to be attracting people that you want to be around. You're going to be attracting people that can help you. People are going to bring things to you, to bring things to you that you can use and uh, take from it. So. Absolutely. That's amazing, man. Well, to finish our conversation, I know it's like, uh, there was so much information, so much information that I think if we were to break things up, break things down, we would probably have like multiple podcasts. And you know, at some point I actually want to bring you back and uh, talk about those things as well and go and go deeper, but have a final round, have a final fun round. Three, four questions just for people to get to know a little bit better. You ready? Think fast. It doesn't have to be 
like a, a full-blown answer, but like one, two sentences is good. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Cool. Let's go back for a second to elementary or middle school years. What did the younger version of Amin look like at that time? The younger version of Amin was a chubby kid. Uh, chubby kid wasn't very confident, but wanted to be Batman. <laughs> well, that's cool. I think you just answered my next question. What is your go-to Halloween costume? Uh, I wanted to be Batman. I was never able to be Batman. I mean, I was never able or allowed to dress up for Halloween because of my dad's conservative views or whatever. But uh, yeah, uh, mm -hmm. I, would, I would want to be Batman. Got it. Okay. That's amazing. All right. Let's say in 100 years, right, the science, science fails to save us. And all that is left, a book about your life. What would you say the title be and the blurb be? That would tell us about... I guess the title would be Don't Be a Bitch. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I knew you would say that. <laughs> the, the title will probably be something like that, Don't Be a Bitch. And then it would probably be... Uh, the blurb would be something about doing things that you don't think that you're capable of doing and that how, you know, how, how they're possible. You've got to believe because not, not people might tell you that they believe in you, but they, they're just trying to make you feel good. So other people are going to do anything for you. You got to, you got to get up and, and do it on your own. Yeah, don't awesome. Be a bitch. Don't be a bitch. Hey, I think this is a, great closing statement and i think uh, uh this could be a mantra for lots of people that they can follow right but i think that's great we can probably close up on that i think this is a great final closing statement love it thanks man i appreciate it i know we'll meet at some point like i really want to go to that side of the u.s visit a few places including Birmingham and maybe we'll meet very oh, soon yeah for sure let me know and we'll get it done awesome man well thank you thank you for coming in to our show and for people who want to connect with you where they can find you they can find me on Instagram AmeenMod underscore or uh, just AmeenMod um, Facebook so Awesome. We'll put that in the show notes. So if people want to connect with you and talk to you, they will be able to. But I appreciate you, brother. Thank you for coming in. It was absolutely a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you, Eugene. You take care, man. Have a good day. We hope that today's episode has inspired you to take action towards building the life you've always wanted. Don't forget to leave us a review, share, and subscribe to our podcast for more empowering stories, actionable insights, and motivation to help you make the shift towards your own dreams. Thanks again for listening to The Shift.